Welcome to The Legal Lunch, the legal and business podcast where we talk to the people behind the brand. We look at who they are, why they do what they do, and what makes them tick. I'm your host, Porik Grennan. Thanks for listening. Flora McCarthy, thank you very much for joining me on what is the second episode of The Legal Lunch. Well, thank you very much indeed for having me, Porik. It's an honour to be here and I'm uh, uh, really uh, delighted to, to be on the show. Great. Well, Flora, it's, I think it's fair to say there wouldn't be too many solicitors in Ireland wouldn't know who you are at the moment with your book that was out. You've done so much in terms of helping solicitors, especially through the COVID-19 pandemic. Your webinars are hugely successful. Uh, you're a member of the Law Society Council. Um, so you're pretty well known and you've really carved a niche for yourself in terms of, you know, helping solicitors around the country. And I'm really interested to see what is it that, you know, before we get into the webinars, what is it that really pushes you on to assist colleagues? Because there are so many people out there that are concerned about their own business and that's fine. They want to, to, they want to run a successful business and they're so busy, but you spend a lot of your time helping colleagues. And the question is, what drives you to do that? Um, I don't know, Potter, if, if it's even, you know, a, a, a great kind of grand, and thank you for saying so, by the way, I'm not sure if I agree with you on, on, on your very, very flattering, um, assessment of that, but, um, it's, 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 you know, it's probably just, you know, I, I, I've, 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 first of all, I'm, I'm very passionate and interested in a lot of these areas that I, that I, you know, spend a lot of time in, in my own business and I, and I actually enjoy sharing that, uh, information. Um, more recently, um, the, the kind of phenomenon that just seemed to happen with the webinars was, was really very much a, a COVID, you know, um, phenomenon, I think. And, uh, you know, the, 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 lockdown came in, uh, we said, um, look, is there any way that we can, we can, anything we can do to, to, to reach out and help colleagues? And, uh, we, we, we thought of the webinars. I think everybody suddenly discovered webinars and zoom and, and, sure. and, and everything like that in, 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 at the beginning of the lockdown and it just took off. And, and then that then, you know, created its own momentum and, and, and it then produced an opportunity to in, indeed have some great guests who came on to the, who have come on to the webinars to, to share their uh, knowledge. It's about sharing. It's about making connection. Um, you know, when we were all plunged into lockdown, we were all here kind of, you know, um, struggling with our own practices and, and, and business and all of those things individually and, and, and in, in, in our own kind of isolated ways, uh, even when we can move around normally. But then suddenly when we got completely locked down, it was like, you know, is there some way we can make a connection between people? And, um, and, and the webinars seem to be it. And, uh, you know, it's, they're very good fun. Uh, I, I have to say I enjoy doing them. And we, there's, there's, a, there's a great banter and, and, and uh, interaction between colleagues. And um, um, I suppose the main reason and what drives me to do it is just I, I enjoy doing it. I find it very interesting. Um, I love just um, learning a, about uh, how to do things better and how to do what we do better. I mean, sometimes I think one of the criticisms you might have of the legal profession is it tends to be a little um, um, staid or, 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 or uh, unimaginative in how it might develop itself and, and how things progress. And, uh, you know, sometimes things are done this way because that's the way they've always been done. And um, I'm afraid there's nothing that really kind of winds me up as much as, 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 as hearing this is the way we've always done them. So, so I like to, to try new things and, and to try to do things better. Sure, sure. And uh, I wonder, was there an element of nearly fear? Uh, obviously, there was fear when the pandemic hit. People didn't were faced with such uncertainty. But, you know, the, the, I suppose the, the memories of the crash in 2007, 2008 was still ringing in people's ears. Now we're faced with this 
did you find that among practitioners that this was, you know, it really brought people together because, you know, obviously no one wants this to happen again. We're wondering, is it going, what's the comparison with the crash in 2007? Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly felt a very visceral fear when when the thing did um, start to happen, because I, I, I did wonder, is this, you know, are we being, you know, going to be plunged into what was uh, something similar to what was 2008? We, I suppose we still don't know how this is going to unfold. I don't think it's, it's, it's unfolding the same way. I think it's going to be, it's, 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 it's going to be an uneven experience, depending on, and, and, and I think how we respond to it is, is going to be, I think people's, the type of firm, uh, and the type of business going into this, uh, how it will experience coming out of it, I think will be dramatically different based on how they approach um, business and how business is done uh, in terms of, you know, um, using even things like we're on here today now and, and, and platforms for connecting with people. Again, that's actually probably was, was, was the biggest, um, uh, the, th- the single thing that made me um, just think of, trying the webinars when COVID hit, I was actually, because I, 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 I um, get a lot, I, I listen to a lot of other um, um, uh, people out there. And one of them, just when, when, when the whole thing started to hit, said, you know, how are you going to respond to this? Can you can respond kind of negatively or positively? Um, and, um, you know, if you have a platform, is there any way that you can reach out to help people? Um, because, you know, you're stuck in your own place, you're stuck in your own office or your home, and you can't really do anything. Do you have any way of reaching out to help people? Uh, and I said, wait a second, you know, maybe we do. And I, I had an email base from having been in contact with members of the profession via the book, as you say, and so on. And I just said, look, let's just put something out there. And the platform just responded. And um, so it was, it was very much a kind of a leap into the dark, a leap into the unknown in, in the context of something none of us really knew uh, what was happening or how it was unfolding. And, and the response was extraordinary. Um, now, um, um, I, I think, you know, that's possibly going to be um, uh, maybe, you know, emblematic of how a lot of us need to think about how we, you know, adapt and transform our businesses now in the post-COVID environment. I mean, for a lot of people, there's going to be challenges. I, I really feel for people in the hospitality and, and events kind of based businesses. Um, and I think probably a lot of colleagues were, felt themselves stuck in that kind of traditional model as well in terms of, you know, we can't get out to court, we can't get out doing things. But very quickly, um, a lot of colleagues have seen how quickly they've adapted and have been able to run their businesses effectively. I think the challenge for them now is how, how to make that permanent, you know. And I think for those who do, there's tremendous opportunity here. Yeah. I'm curious in terms of just from a purely marketing aspect, in terms of when you decided to do the webinar, uh, did you have a database? Did you ring people and said, I'm doing a webinar? How did you actually get it going and who did you contact? Obviously. Word of mouth, I'd imagine within the profession, word of mouth is, is why it grew. But initially, how did you get it off the ground? Well, I mean, I suppose the fundamentals of marketing, one of the things that I've been going back to since COVID hit and the lockdown hit um, has been, have been the fundamentals of our business. Um, and the fundamentals of any business is um, from market. I'm a direct response marketer is the kind of school that I've come up in. And the fundamentals of any direct response business in terms of marketing is the list. Uh, and your list of, of contacts that you can communicate with. And because I, I, I don't really believe in, in social media. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think these platforms that are, you know, owned by other people are, are well, you know, you, you might get lucky on social media, but, um, you know, ultimately you don't have any control over that. And, and we've seen that um, social media platforms can effectively, you know, close down or limit your reach within the platform very, very easily. The one thing that you 
always have and, and, and can control and use is, is your list. And, and one of the things that I've been doing over a period of time is, is especially developing a list of, of colleagues. Well, I have an email list of colleagues who I've been in contact with uh, regularly. Uh, those are maybe people who have been maybe subscribed for things that I've done in the past or, you know, as we've spoken, we've had various other things that I've done over the years. Uh, and so I had a list there. And so I was able to, like, just, I just, you know, said, sent out an email and said, we're going to do a webinar. Here's, here's, a, here's an opportunity to sign up. Um, and as I said, people, I, I think, you know, that was a moment in time when people were just, suddenly they were, yeah. they, they had been plunged into this kind of totally kind of unreal situation and they were stuck at home uh, and they couldn't, they couldn't travel. So, so, you know, you had a way, I suppose we had a captive audience. Sure. Um, um, but um, the, the key thing, and, and I suppose the, the most valuable marketing asset that any business can have is, is its list. Sure. And, and that was what gave us the reach that we had for the, for the yeah, and just curious, did you ever do webinars before COVID? I had done previously. I had done, I mean, because I had run a kind of a, a, a number of different kind of iterations of, and just in, in the kind of developing the book and, 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 and some kind of um, uh, some projects that we had arising out of the book. I had done webinars with different colleagues in the past, um, uh, but uh, none had ever really had the same. The numbers, no, yeah. No. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's fair to say that there may be a, a shift in the mindset in terms of people towards webinars. I mean, I can remember maybe 10 years ago, going to a local gym up in Balbriggan where I lived at the time and the trainer at the time said to me, I'm off to do a webinar with a couple of hundred people and I thought to myself, why is a trainer doing a webinar? You know, mm, it just didn't make mm, sense to me. Mm, mm, um, why would people tune in, you know, just look online or whatever? Mm. But really the onset of COVID has changed that mindset. Oh yeah, but it's been, you know, you know, there's been just a paradigm shift for, for, for so many people. I mean, I, you know, in a way though, I mean, because, to be honest, I had been used, I, I'd been spending most of, a lot of my working week on Zoom, but long before COVID hit, I would deal with a lot of the, 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 the I work with in the, in the marketing of my business and in other aspects of the business via Zoom, because I just don't believe in the downtime of traveling to meetings if I can, fit, if I can avoid it. Um, and so that was very much a part of how I did business previously. Similarly, webinars were, were very much, well, not to the same scale, but they were certainly a, a, a big part of, um, of, of, of the the, the toolkit as far as I would have been concerned. And, and I certainly would be a, very, a regular attendee. Um, but that was very niche. And, um, you know, I was interested in digital marketing and direct response marketing in, 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 at quite a, you know, at a level that most people wouldn't be interested in. So therefore I would be exposed to those things. Um, COVID just changed everything and it made all of this mainstream. Um, and I think, you know, I think in many ways, there's a lot of that kind of pivot to online that happened with COVID that isn't going to come back. And I think that's going to have implications for retail in, in a big way. I think that's going to have big implications for professional services in a big way. You know, there was, a, there was a, an assumption of things having to take place in a physical place with physical people present in a certain way, because that's what we've always done. Um, and suddenly people discovered um, that wasn't necessarily necessary. Um, no, there is a certain perspective on this, which is, you know, the, the, the virtual is a poor substitute. It isn't as good. Um, and there are ways in which it isn't as good. Um, and, and certainly it can be a nuisance, not all the social distancing and everything can be, but, um, there are ways in which the virtually delivered, you know, way of doing things can be better. Um, and it can enable so much more productivity. 
um, we can, you know, have meetings back to back without having, you know, with people who are in completely different locations without having to uh, have the downtime of travel in between. Um, and um, we can do things in virtual meetings that we can't do in physical meetings, like in terms of screen sharing and, and, and so on. Of course. Um, so, I mean, these are just kind of, you know, these are, these are, these are details and, 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 and minor examples. But I, I think that, um, you know, this has been a, um, as I say, this has been a major paradigm shift for how we think about and do business generally. Um, and, you know, I suppose, and, and as we're recording this now, we're probably just into maybe part of the lockdown experience. We're all getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit tired of it and, 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 and just starting to realize that this is probably a longer term project than we really thought it was yes. going to be. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people just want to go back to the way we did things before. Um, but I don't think we're, we're going back. Yeah. And, and I think that's, there are aspects of that that are, that are, that are, um, um, that are negative. I prefer weren't the case, but I think there are big opportunities for people who can see, um, um, you know, how to do business in this environment. Sure. And in terms of the, the obviously the digital marketing, we, we, yeah, I agree. It's become so important. The big law firms obviously have a marketing function, a team that do mm. this. You're the likes of yourself. You're a mid-sized firm. You've got, um, you do a lot of it yourself because it interests you. As I do my own firm, we, we have a general interest in this type of thing. But what would you say to somebody who's not tech savvy? They're a sole practitioner. They don't have a website because I, I've been amazed in my own research to see the amount of, you know, sole practitioners, small firms that don't even have a website these days. And I'm wondering, how are these people doing business if they can't be found? I, I, I wonder the same thing, um, Boric. I mean, you, you, you say I do it because I'm interested in it. I suppose I developed an interest in it out of it because of necessity. Um, and then I became passionate and I became very, very interested and I found that I actually enjoyed it. Um, and not everybody does and not everybody needs to. But I, but I do think whether they enjoy it themselves personally, everybody needs to have it. Um, I think the problem is that, um, and this is not necessarily unique to solicitors or professional service firms, I think a lot of technically excellent people, um, and whether they're lawyers or, or, or bakers or plumbers, they think that the thing that they do is everything that their business is about. And that they think being an excellent, you know, whatever the service provision is or our or, or, or service or, 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 or product delivery is, if that's excellent and that that's all they're consumed about, well, then, you know, everything else should take care of itself. Uh, but of course, that isn't the case. And really, that service delivery is really only one third of a functioning business. Um, and, and, and on top of that service delivery function in a business, you need to have a, a sales function in the business. And then on top of that, you need to have a marketing function in the business. So the marketing drives the leads that ultimately have to be converted via the sales process that ultimately then deliver customers or clients that need to be serviced. And unfortunately, as lawyers at times, we kind of think that it's just doing the service delivery is all that we have to do. Um, really, it's only, it's, only, it's only one third of what we, what we need to do as a functioning business. Um, and uh, that's not unique to lawyers. That's a universal truth but of business. But um, it's one that a lot of small business owners just don't seem, because they, they love what it is that they do. That's why they went into the business in the first place. Um, and they don't necessarily, they never got, maybe they weren't trained. They didn't have any skills in that area. Um, and they feel, and of course, again, culturally as well in the law, we, 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 we wouldn't have been um, um, 
uh, it would not have been a, a you know marketing and and advertising would have been frowned upon in fact it would have been restricted heavily um and um and uh, would practically impossible to do for many years um so so you had a lot of these factors kind of in the background there um but um ultimately i mean it's clear to me now that if you want to have a a, a successful business you have to have the successful you have to have the essential components and uh, uh, the marketing function is, is 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 a vital part of that no matter what size or scale you are sure as i said to you before we we came on air so to speak i met with john geary last week he was my first guest on the legal lunch and to your point there he he phrased it as you need to have a finder minder and a grinder exactly they're the yeah. three people so they, they, they're they, the, they're they're the three representatives of the, of each each function you you mentioned there and yeah, absolutely. And that was that. That's the that's the that's and that that's kind of a bit of traditional wisdom in the, in the legal profession. And I suppose that that then, uh, um, and it's if you can if you can make that happen naturally. And oftentimes you will see there are certain types of personalities who are naturally very vivacious and outgoing and tend to be the kind of the 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 the, the front people of 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 um and and if you can have a natural who does that and then you get, if it, who's a natural finder and you have a natural uh grinder who does the who's the who's turning out the work and then you have somebody who's doing the minder might be the client care or or or, or client experience kind of side of the business if you can naturally have you know three people who will you know coalesce together to, to provide you with those three uh, personalities well wonderful in you know that's that's a very very um um difficult thing to, you know you would have to be very very lucky to to, to make that ha- to have that happen and, and then if you did you heavily dependent if, if anything were to happen to one of those people so these are things that i think we need to have obviously systems then that will provide the uh, the finding element of the um of the business the minding element of the business and then Ultimately, you're going to need excellent lawyers to, to do yeah, the grinding. Sure. Floor, can we go back in time a little bit just to, to let, let's, uh, as I said, a lot of people know who you are, but there are, I'm sure there are people out there that maybe um, don't know Floor McCarthy. Tell us about your background. Um, I believe your parents were solicitors and you're, you, obviously it's a family business, so. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, my um, my mom and dad were both solicitors uh, as I was growing up. My dad um, practiced for many years in a, in a kind of a, a, a one of the bigger practices here in, in West Cork. Um, my mom then went back and, and actually she, she had a varied career and did various different things, but she went back and studied law later in life. And then she decided to set up on her own here in, in Clannacilty in the, in the building that is the office. Uh, now practice from so she established this um business back in 1987 and uh, that was a very small practice then uh, and uh, she worked exclusively on her own and then i uh, decided i mean i wasn't i wasn't kind of a never any great passion for the law or i wasn't any kind of a uh, i wasn't a I certainly wasn't a great legal student but um I, I i kind of drifted into law i suppose you might call it that and i had a kind of a certain uh, predisposition to it from from my family background and uh, and then I did a, I, I did a, what was called an apprenticeship then uh, in a, in a uh, farm in Dublin, and uh, and then having done maybe about five years there, decided I was going to come back to West Cork, and I came back and I joined my mum here in the practice. And at that time, it was a, a tiny practice. I, 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 um, I, I recall my my salary in Dublin at the time was bigger than the turnover here at the time, and and they weren't paying me much then. Um, it was the the core was here, the the kind of the the, the base was here. And uh, that was back in 2000. I came down here then. Um, my brother John, who's my partner, uh, also he 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 went into law and uh, he joined us here a number of years later, back in about 2004. And uh, thankfully, we've had a very you know 
harmonious and successful relationship together since then. Super, because obviously making that decision to leave, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the secure job to come down to basically, a, we, you weren't going to draw a salary starting mm, out. Mm, mm. Uh, it, you know, you must have had that inner confidence that you could make it work. I don't know about that. Um, I, I saw somewhere recently that uh, a quote, I don't know who's by, but it said that no great endeavor was ever embarked upon in a flurry of great uh, confidence and certainty, you know, I, and I don't think anybody who's ever done anything um, uh, will ever tell you that they didn't have, weren't racked with doubts uh, uh, before. It's always, there is this kind of, you know, survivor bias or, or confirmation bias that you look at things that are successful and go back and assume that they must have, you know, but you never look at all the failures that, 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 uh, that you don't see around anymore. Um, um, so I, um, but it's funny <clears throat> thinking about it, Bordic, in terms of, because we were just chatting beforehand in terms of, you know, how to, to, to progress that conversation. I mean, like at the time I was in Dublin, I just gotten married. My wife was actually from Ballycastle County Antrim. I was from West Cork. The natural thing to do would have been to stay in Dublin. We were from both different, different sides of the country. Um, but I was lucky enough to have been born and, and reared and grew up here in, in, in West Cork. And, and I suppose we both had come down here a bit and decided this is where we wanted to, uh, to be. And this is where we wanted to kind of, you know, uh, establish ourselves and, 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 and rear a family. And that actually was what determined um, our decision. Um, and that's really been, when I think back on it, I think most of the big decisions I've made around the business, how we've designed the business, how we've developed the business, it has been about how can I create a business that will support the lifestyle that I want to have rather than, you know, just create a business that's going to produce, um, you know, X amount of revenue or profit or whatever the case may be. Because, um, you know, I think if, the, the traditional route would be go into a a, a law firm and a large law firm and 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 you know there's a there's a there's a, a a relatively you know guaranteed route to you know significant income there um um this it isn't the same in a in a in a rural practice it's a totally different kind of approach i mean thankfully we have had a successful um period of time we've had some very very challenging times over the course of it um but um it was, we kind of, we built the business around the lifestyles we wanted to have. And I mean, John, my brother, who's, who's the same, we, 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 we kind of, you know, we, we chose to establish ourselves here first. And then we kind of, if you like, um, grew the business around that. Yeah, well, I suppose the beauty of the, the internet itself uh, opened up uh, multiple opportunities for you, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it did. I mean, because we were a very, very traditional business. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was side of the street here in Clannacilty and we did it, just whatever came in the door and that's what we, everything that came in the door from a needle to an anchor um and um you know and, and and from 2000 when he started here up to 2008 it grew and grew and grew year on year I thought I was a, a business genius but um it turned out I wasn't it turned out that was an Irish property bubble and we were on the back of it and and everything that we were doing was related to property in one sense or another conveyancing was 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 the big driver of things probate was linked to the value of property that was in the in the probate practice um um you know family law was was financed by equity releases and refinancing and you know any everything all the liquidity in in in, in the type of practice that we had here locally was um was was property based and of course that then basically disappeared overnight almost in 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 eight oh eight oh nine um, and then we looked and saw that, I mean, we had a very tiny proportion of our business was um, personal injury then, but that was a very counter-cyclical and it was very profitable and, and uh, um, 
was, let's say that was the piece of our business we would have wanted to have, would have wanted to have more of. And, um, and we decided then in 2008, then, you know, our local business, while we were, they were you know, very good, we're, we're, we're blessed with, with, with great local clients and we look after them and that's what we make to, uh, we, we take very great care to, to look after that. But it was very limited in terms of the size because we're in a small rural community. So we decided that we would have to go out via the internet and uh, go online and, um, and that's been, I suppose, the story of the practice from, you know, from, from 2010, 11 onwards. So basically you reinvented yourself, you, you pivoted in that direction. Obviously you're still a general practice behind the scenes. We, we do, well, we, we were quite, um, we were very limited, I, I suppose, practice, you might say. We, we would, our main focus is personal injury, medical negligence, it would be the, the growth areas of our practice and what we primarily focus on in terms of our, our, our new client acquisition. Um, but we would then do conveyancing and probate primarily for our existing local client base and for, um, for our existing clients who we, who we do other litigation work for. Um, we don't do any other um, any other forms of practice, really. Can we jump forward to 2015 when you um, decided to put pen to paper? You wrote a book called The Solicitor's Guide to Marketing, which uh, I was obviously doing a bit of research last night. And some of the comments in relation to it, the reviews were absolutely fantastic. Um, talk to us about that process um, and why you did it. Uh, was it like, built from your experience with your own business? Um, well, what happened in terms of my journey, um, Boric, I, I, as I say, you know, um, the crash happened in nine. It was, it was pretty, pretty, um, pretty bad. I mean, I had been, you know, I had been doing what I thought was the right thing to do as a professional at that time, up to that time I had been, you know, borrowing money and buying, um, rental properties and investment properties. I thought that was kind of how you would a pension kind of portfolio and that type of thing. And of course, and our properties we worked from and our properties we lived in, and these were all mortgaged. And, uh, and that all just, um, you know, went underwater kind of pretty much overnight. And, uh, um, and again, and our, and our business was heavily, you know, reliant on all of those related uh, service activities. So, um, we just, I, I just had, I just went around everywhere to look to see um, how, and, and I mean, we hadn't done any marketing and any, I mean, our business had grown completely organically um, prior to that time. I mean, I used to just sit down and just, I mean, I remember I, used to, I, mean, I, I kind of just throw my eyes up to heaven now when I think about it, but I used to just kind of, I used to just assume that the business would grow by 10% every year, that that's how it worked, right? And that was kind of my kind of natural just assumption. And then suddenly all that just evaporated. And, um, and it was, you know, I mean, and, the, and again, my mom and my dad had both been in business and, and, you know, we'd always had the traditional kind of look after the clients and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come back to you and they'll tell others and, you know, that will, the business will look after itself. Um, uh, but, you know, when we found, found what we were confronted with in, in, in after 2008, um, that just simply wasn't sufficient. So, um, so I went out, I went to the US. Um, I spent a lot of time looking at, um, uh, systems there at 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 at, at um, uh, various different um, how, how people did things how people you know developed businesses and and in legal and in non legal um, and I I basically just soaked up everything that I could everything that I could get my hands on um, uh, went to a lot of seminars a lot of webinars a lot of that kind of training and um, I just absorbed read um, and just learned everything that I could about how you go about growing a um, a, uh, a legal services business. And, uh, and then I, I, you know, I spent 
so much time kind of learning about that that I became really very very interested and very passionate about it and um, it seemed to me then the obvious thing to just try and put um, what I had um, learned uh, I, I suppose it, it, I'm not sure if somebody ever said this but you know if, if you want to really kind of learn something write a book about it and um, um, and that's what I did and uh, it was I the, 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 the intention was just to 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 to, to bring the knowledge that I had spent a lot of time acquiring and, and apply this to, a, to the Irish context, which is different. When you talk to American or, 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 or foreign lawyers, a lot of them just can't really get their heads around the, 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 the restrictions that we face here in terms of how we have to um, market and advertise our business. And so, and, and I'm passionate too about making sure that whatever kind of we do is, 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 is in complete compliance with the regulations that we are subject to. And so therefore, you know, that brings a different requirement in terms of how you approach marketing and the types of advertising that you can do and things like that. And so that's what I try to bring together in the book. Okay. That must have been a, an, an exciting time, although you were in the midst of a, a, an economic downturn and your business had evaporated, as you say. That trip to the States, I don't know how long you spent out there, but it must have been an exciting time coming back because you were really arming yourself with all this information and you, you, you were obviously rejuvenated Looking forward. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember going out there in 2013. Uh, it was the first time I went out there, and I and I got exposed to me, and I saw something, and I just said, "This is what I got to do." And then, and then, and yeah, it's it's a long conversation, probably more than we have time for here. But um, I remember just becoming convinced at the time and saying, "This, okay, this this is what we we have to go full bore on this." And and if you're going to do it, you can't do it in half measures. You have to commit, and then you have to put in the work. And you and and as most part you said. Uh, just to pick up on something, I don't want to harp on about this, but I mean, it was, I, I knew this was going to be a success. The thing is, you never know it's going to be a success. And you've got to put in the work and the commitment and all of that blood, sweat and tears without the guarantee of knowing that it's going to be a success. And that's why I think a lot of people aren't prepared to do that because they wonder, is it worth the effort if it's not going to work? And the point is, you never know it's going to work. So, but, but I came back in 2013 and I remember coming back to John here, and at the time, we didn't have the resources to do a lot, you know, because you know, as you go into a marketing business, you've got to spend and you've got to invest. And that was not something that was, it was music to our ears to hear when you come back <laughs> from this wild-eyed person who's coming back from, from, from with, with the great ideas from America. But in fairness, he supported me and we went for it. And, um, and I remember going back there the following year to the same event that I had been at, and I was actually I was a marketer of the year at the event that year because of the success we had had in the, in the intervening 12 months, just implementing what, and because in a way, you know, none of this is, well, none of this is rocket science, but none of it is, is new. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's very easy to find out. I mean, if, if you like literally I, I, the book, what's in the book is literally, um, it's, 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 uh, ABC, um, just add water, everything that I've done here in the business. Um, so it's there for anybody to just simply read and copy. Um, and that's the case, actually, if you go out, so many people have shared how to do these things. Um, um, but the trick is actually doing it. Um, and, um, and that sometimes can be the, 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 the challenge for many yeah, you must go all in, I agree, <laughs> to give it any chance of success. And if you were to give an advice, some advice to some um, colleagues in terms of where to place either their money or their energy or their time, would it be on their own mailing list? Would it be towards a certain social media platform? Um, where, where would you advise people in, in this profession, in the legal profession, to focus? Um, I think, well, certainly the, 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 the number one asset in any 
functioning business, in my view, is the list, the list of existing and prospective clients and customers, um, developing that and keeping in communication with that and uh, developing a relationship with that list is, um, is that for me would be number one. In our business, it's, it's quite practice area specific in, in, in law in terms of how you approach uh, business development. Referral is probably um, the, um, the lowest hanging fruit in terms of um, uh, legal legal um, business development, um, uh, and you will see a lot of you will see a lot of solicitors say that their their business is a is, is oh they're all referrals based business. But then you say what do you do to generate and, and, and encourage referrals? And they don't do anything. Uh, it just happens. And and uh, and there's an awful lot you can do. And um, it's about doing simple things. It's about giving people um, um, you know just taking making sure that people know that they're going to get clear communication they're going to get followed up with they're going to get they know that if they if somebody give you somebody's number you're going to contact them that it's you know i mean the cliche with lawyers um Boric, is you know that they they never turn phone calls uh, it's impossible to get them uh, you know th- those kinds of you know, lawyer jokes that you hear um unfortunately you know th- there is a grain of truth behind that and uh, simply um you know contacting people and and following up with people and 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 providing people with a a service experience that they go away and say you know what you really have got to go and experience or this this is the person who's going to take care of you, um so 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 doing um doing the um the simple things uh, well and and with with clear intent on what it is that you're trying to achieve. Can we talk about your time management because this is something that um is important. Obviously, money time is money, as they say. Uh, you obviously run the business. You take care of the marketing. You've got to manage your staff, etc. So, in terms of how you balance, you know, files versus your marketing activity, what kind of a percentage? How would you split that in terms of? Obviously, during COVID, it might be leaning more towards the marketing. I would imagine because you refocused well, on that. But I mean, I, I have quite a I have quite an untypical business. I mean, I, I mean, I've been very very fortunate in that I have a very very supporting partner who understands um, what we've done and how we do it. Um, and I mean, but I have basically developed the business um, specifically with the view that I try and do no legal work whatsoever now with this. Um, no, I, I'm still very interested in the law and in the, in the, um, um, in the, in the, you know, the, the excellence of the legal service that we provide here. But my, um, involvement is primarily in making sure that the, 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 the team that we have here is able to provide, um, the excellence. As I think my ability to kind of do things in terms of individual file management is, just going to be limited to the amount of you know hours in the day that I can spend on each individual file. Whereas if I can leverage the um, the skill set that I have through a team, through managing a team, through leading a team, um, is uh, I think there's just so much more that, that that can be done. So I mean, I I I uh, what I have done, and and it, I suppose it came to fruition over COVID was um, uh, now most of the the, the file work that uh, here in the case is handled by um, uh, by the rest of the team and my focus is on making sure that we have a cohesive team that um that can deliver um excellence in legal services sure and do you remember was there a point in time where you said to yourself right i need to make the jump from you know doing half half my time on files half managing the business was there a moment in time where you said i just need to actually take a step back from files and move forward with this or has that yeah, kind of been your role for a long I mean, time and, and, and uh, like that's and it's because the easiest thing in the world for me 
is to pick up a stack of files and the dictaphone and just, you know, grind it out because I can do that. I can do that really, really well. And I'm not blowing my trumpet, but, you know, if you've done something for 20 years and you're not able to do it really well, you're probably in the wrong job, right? So, I mean, that's, for me, like, and I think think that's the thing with a lot of lawyers is that they would just much rather be left with, you know, the legal work to do and (laughs) not have to deal with the clients and not have to deal with any of the other kind of stuff and just get stuck into it. And I mean, and I, and I get that. And I, I, I'm, look, I, I'm, I'm passionate about the, the excellence of the, the, the legal service that we provide more than anything else. And so therefore, you know, that's, I, I totally get that. Um, and so the biggest, um, the biggest leap of faith that I had to make was to move away from that and to suddenly try and say, right, okay, look, I must try and decrease the amount. Cause I could, I could increase my billable hours and, 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 you know, I can do all that. And that's, I can bring money into the bottom line. Um, I just believe that I can do so much more if I have got the mental capacity, the space and the bandwidth to be able to um, lead and direct, uh, uh, you know, a team. And then, of course, I mean, and, and, and develop other uh, uh, lawyers to, 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 to be able to do what we need to do. Um, because not everybody is interested in the stuff that I'm interested in. You know, I, I, I'm really interested in the marketing. I'm really interested in the business development. I'm really interested in the services sorry, the systems around the services we provide. I'm really interested in the customer service and the customer experience because I don't think that's been something that lawyers have prioritized over the years. And they kind of, well, at least I think there's, there can be a kind of a thing, well, well, look, if you get your legal affairs taken care of, and once you get a good outcome, that's really all that matters. And the kind of you know, service experience that you have along the way may not really our problem. And I couldn't disagree more with that. Um, uh, and I think all of these things have to be integrated. And I think, you know, it, it's not like a, well, it's, it's, I, I, I think you, you need to be a lawyer to, to, to really understand and do all of these things in terms of how they're done in, in, in a legal services business. And, and I'm lucky, I think, in that I, in that I have the legal background. But what I've spent over the last 10 years doing is, is really, um, uh, really um, becoming immersed in the, the business kind of side of things. Sure, it's interesting to hear you talk about the mental bandwidth because obviously, if you want to be creative, need that. I, I, I'm a believer that you need that mental space to be able to allow the mind to wander and come up with these ideas that you know you want to be innovative and move forward. Well, I mean, like you know, nobody's ever going to bring you up out of the blue to bother you about future of your business, right? They're going to ring you up and pester you and why, can I pick your brains? Can I have five minutes of your time to talk about their problem and their event? That's what clients, I mean, that's what we want to take care of clients. We want to make sure they're, 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 they get an excellent experience. But, you know, you, were, like, you will be inundated always with emails, phone calls from people looking for some of your time to help solve their problems. And again, that's what we're getting paid to do. Um, but if you are continually reacting to other people's requests and demands of you, um, and you know, it's a bit. I suppose we we talk about it on the uh, on the airplanes. You're told, you know, if if the masks fall down, make sure you put on your own mask before attending to others. You know, yeah, yeah. and and I think you have to have the capacity to be able to think, um, think about what's what's happening, observe, clearly understand what is happening as best as we possibly can, and then and then and then decide how to react. Mm. 
Can we talk about the statement of truths? You you recently wrote to the new Minister for Justice and um, you put a petition together, I think you had over 500 colleagues signed that in relation to um, affidavits. Do you want to just elaborate on that a little bit? Where is that all at? Well, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it was interesting. It, 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 it's, it's something that, in fairness, no, it isn't something that I've suddenly come up with. Um, it's been something that the Law Reform Commission have uh, recommended back in 1990 that we would have uh, something as an alternative to, um, to um, oaths, um, religious faith-based oaths, which there's many, many problems with those. It's not that I'm saying we don't, we shouldn't have religion or anything like that, uh, but I just don't think people should have to, you know, have to in- declare. declare a preference yeah. one way or the other in, in, in dealing with their legal affairs. Um, and there has been this provision on the statute book, or not on the statute books, but on the, on the, the Law Reform Commission has recommended since 1990 that we would have a secular version, I think called a statement of truth. Um, and in fairness, the, the, the Law Society has been advocating for this um, for, for many, many years. Uh, it just happened at the beginning of the, the, the lockdown. I mean, one of the big problems we encountered, and it's funny how the, the problems manifest themselves, but like, because you couldn't do physical meetings, I mean, the, the whole concept of a, uh, an affidavit sworn on oath is it has to be sworn before a commissioner for oaths or a practicing solicitor who's acting as a commissioner for oaths. But that solicitor or commissioner for oaths can't be the solicitor for the... Um, the client who's, who's acting for the client in the matter. So you have to have it done by a third party. So in effect, then, if you wanted to get an affidavit sworn, you would have to go to another solicitor's office and you would have a meeting between the client, the solicitor who's acting for the client, and the other solicitor who's independent. And when the lockdown happened, of course, we were you know, not supposed to have physical meetings. We were practicing physical distancing. It became extremely uh, difficult, if not impossible, to get affidavits sworn. And you need affidavits in your business would be aware of affidavits in the probate context. You need affidavits that are essential for any aspects of the situation. And so it, I just said, hold on a second, why are we, um, why are we um, still not having some alternative to affidavits? And, um, and so we just, I just started the campaign and uh, I put the petition out there. We got over 50 or so um, signatures, we an amazing response from, from the profession. Um, I submitted that to the minister and um, they've now be, passed the... Um, uh, a miscellaneous provisions act has just been passed and, and actually this week uh, that I think uh, the minister has signed the commencement order on the on, on, on the portion of the act that will deal with statements of truth and they should come into operation from I think the 21st of August. That's superb and I was asking you. Although, the, uh, the only thing I would say with that is that unfortunately however they've been limited to affidavits that are being filed electronically for now and of course for most of us we can't file affidavits electronically but well, let's see. I mean, if, if the court service introduce electronic filing uh, on a widespread uh, basis uh, to respond to COVID, that would be, we would have a, a double um, uh, benefit. Uh, sure. But well, it's de- definitely a step in the right it's, direction. It's, it's, oh, sure. well, it's un- un- unquestionable. Yeah, for sure. Can I ask you finally, Floor, um, in terms of, obviously, you've been through the mill. You, you, you left your full-time job 20 years ago. You set up, you went through one recession. Um, you pivoted, you reinvented yourself, you built up another practice, um, you've gone through COVID, you've done the webinars. Um, in ter- you're pretty well placed to proffer advice to somebody that would be thinking setting up their own practice. So if we have somebody listening to this who's in full-time employment, they're just reluctant to take the plunge, what advice would you give? Well, I, I think the most um, fundamental piece of advice I would give is Whatever it is that you do, design or, you know, make the business serve the life you want to lead. Don't make your life slave to a business or business culture that you happen to be in. Um, I 
was at a meeting with a um a um group of colleagues um uh, we were in a social setting um recently and and there were some pretty heavy hitting kind of um uh, there and, and 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 we were just talking about how we did things and i said i said look i i try and do little file work as possible i don't want to structure my business i said i i home at half past five every evening i i turn off the lights because there's nobody in the building um and i said i've never had a file in my house and you know i don't take any work home with me and they all looked at me like i was just insane and i thought am i am i missing something um but that's just the way i chose and that's why like the reason i'm in, I'm, I'm in clinicality is because we wanted to live and raise our families and, and, and be in, the, in, in rural Ireland. And, and that's just, we've been very, very fortunate. That's been an, ext- an extraordinary blessing throughout COVID. Um, so, so the first thing I would say to somebody is, you know, be very deliberate in choosing what you do professionally and in business to serve the life that you want to lead and not the other way around, which I think a lot of us kind of sometimes end up chasing, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and then in terms of just the legal business, I think the, um, the, the key is finding out who it is that you are going to serve. Who is your niche? Who is your ideal client going to be? Um, for us, in terms of reinventing the business here, uh, we decided personal injury, medical negligence. That was, I mean, and when I was looking at that back in 2008, Nine, ten. I would say, yeah, of course, yeah, sure, yeah. I'd love to have a a, a, a burgeoning um, medical negligence and personal injury practice, but you know, pull the other one. That's not going to happen. Um, but having deliberately decided that's what we were going to do, that's what we ultimately did. And yeah, so so know what you want, decide what you want, and if you know what you want and you are prepared to put in the work, and that what you want is sufficient is going to help, you know the right people, and you know the people that you want to serve and to help, and, and make that narrow, because a lot of people kind of say, well, I kind of, I'm help everybody, and I can do everything for everyone, and I'm not sure I can, there's no job too big or too small. That, to me, is, you know, a, a, a recipe for disaster. Um, I think you'd be, be very focused, be very niche, in terms of the areas in which you practice, the people who you serve, and then really go all out then in making sure that they are going to just, you know, that the you're going to be the obvious choice um, uh, for anybody who, who needs Excellent. Good advice. Laura McCarthy of McCarthy & Co. Solicitors in Clonakilty, County Cork. Thanks a million for joining me on The Legal Lunch. It's been an absolute pleasure and thanks for your time. Thank you, Porter. It's been my pleasure to join you. <laughs>